Heavenly Father, we would ask for your blessing upon your word, upon your insight, upon the knowledge that you have given to us. We have been so blessed by having the word and being able to search it and find out the mysteries that are hidden to those in the world, but that have been revealed to those who are in your church. We ask, Lord, that you would fill us full of wisdom and give us just a stark reminder of the times in which we live. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I'm going to talk about today is eschatology, end-time stuff. Uh, I'm going to give you a message that was delivered by somebody else. I'm going to tell you that right up front. Don Stewart, I'm a fan of Don Stewart. Uh, He is... Uh, pastor's perspective, he speaks on there. He's a very intelligent individual, and he, uh, he has so much information, but he wrote this book, 25, it, it's actually 25 Signs We Are in the Last Days, and I had all this information, and I was putting it in order, and then I ran across him, and I thought, you know, that's it. I'm just going to give you what he gave out, and this is on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. You can buy the book for... Uh, about $15. You can get the Kindle for about 9 bucks, But it, it is so right on. I took my information and plugged it into his points. And he has 25 points. Uh, as he's given it, the message on YouTube, he doesn't go a lot into the scripture. I think he's dealing with those when he speaks at this particular church. Those who have some knowledge of eschatology, what's taking place in the end times, and and trying to bring it to the forefront. As Calvary Chapel, we keep this from time to time at the forefront. We want to make sure we understand why we're even doing what we're doing. It's because the Lord is coming back, and if he doesn't come back, we are going to perish here in this body, and then we're going to see him, and then we're coming back with him after that point. And so we need to have in the forefront of our minds as we're walking, why are we doing this? And what is the sign that the Lord or signs that the Lord is going to be coming back? Now it began way back in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, he says to Abraham, I, uh, or to a land that I will show you, he tells him to go to a land that he will show him. But he hasn't shown him yet. He just tells him to go in Genesis chapter 12. And that is the beginning of the nation of Israel. That is Abraham. Back then it was Abram and his name was changed later. But he was told where to go to this particular land. And point number one, why we know that we are in the last days, the signs of the last days, is first of all, there was a miracle of Israel's survival. There has never been a nation that has been together in a land that has been dispersed, that has ever come back into the same land. This is very unique. And God said he will do this in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 through 5. He talks about how he will be faithful to have the people remain in the land. Now, there's a couple of times they've been taken out of the land, and that was because they were unfaithful. And God told them, if you were unfaithful, I will remove you from the land. But if you are faithful, you will get to remain in the land. In 606 B.C., Babylon, when King Nebuchadnezzar came in there, that was the first of a couple of waves to get the people out of Israel because they were disobedient, they were idolatrous. And also in 70 A.D., when they rejected the Messiah, and that was 2,000 years ago. So not only once, but twice it 
it has happened where they have been removed from the land and placed back in the land. And never before in history has that happened, but the Lord said it would take place. So that is a sign for us, and that happened on May 14th, 1948, when Israel came into the land and it was declared by the United Nations and our uh, president at the time, he recognized the fact that Israel is in the Bible, and God has given them that particular plot of ground. Secondly, as their enemies have done to Israel, so God has done to them. Now, there's these groups of people, the Amorites, the Moabites, the Malachites, Edomites, Philistines, they have all tried to destroy Israel. And God gave Israel a promise that whoever tried to destroy them, he would destroy. Today, if you wanted to talk to somebody who was a full-blown 100% Jew, it would not be difficult, right? I even have Jewish blood in me. I have uh, 25% Jewish blood, enough to send me to a concentration camp. My grandfather was a, a full Jew. <clears throat> and so it's not hard to find a Jew. I'd like to, you to go out and find a Moabite. How about a Malachite? How about a Philistine? You may say, you're acting like a Philistine, but you're not going to find somebody who calls themselves a Philistine. And that is a prophecy that has been fulfilled. And God said he would do it specifically to each one of these people groups, the Amorites, Moabites, Amalekites, Edomites, and Philistines. Thirdly, Israel will return to its ancient homeland in the last days. And I just told you the date, May 14th, 1948. That's when they got back into the land. That was after World War II. Some people say... You know, that wasn't the impetus that brought them into the land, but that's when they became a nation and the United Nations recognized them and, and they set everything up and it was an act of God that this would happen. And again, never in the history of the world has this ever taken place. In the book of Isaiah, <clears throat> chapter 27 in verse 6, this is one of the several verses or several contexts that talk about Israel coming into the land. It says, In the days to come, Jacob will take root, Israel will bud and blossom and fill the world with fruit. If you go to Israel today, especially if you go down to the area of the Dead Sea and go down to Elat, Elat is where Egypt and Jordan and Israel all come together at the Red Sea. It is a resort town that is down there. And on the way, you'll pass the Valley of Timnah. That will be on your west side. But as you continue to go down, you will see greenhouse after greenhouse after greenhouse. And they grow all of this produce. They have peppers, they have leeks, and they have onions, and they have tomatoes. And they are shipping the stuff all over the world. They used to be the number one supplier of flowers in the world. And if you go there, they have acre after acre, square mile after square mile of fruit trees. You go up to the area of the city of Dan, they have these avocado groves that are just huge that are up there. And they have uh, fishing. Fishing is big in the Sea of Galilee. I mean, it, it has become what was known as a place of desolation. It is now a fruitful land. And Tel Aviv, it is a center of high tech. Uh, they actually had one place there when we were there before, when the cell phones were first coming out, they developed the antennas for those little handheld cell phones before the flip phone. You know, they had the little antennas. They did that and they made a mint over there. And it is just a magnet of wealth that is over there. And, you know, they have their own nuclear power plant over in Haifa and they have oil that they have found, but they try not to say too much about that. But it is a 
vastly wealthy country now, and God has certainly blessed them. And it is prophesied in other people, how, or in other places in Scripture, how the people there will just make the land prosper under God's guidance. Also, Israel will come back in two stages. The first stage they're going to come back in is in unbelief. In Ezekiel chapter 37, you have them bones, them bones, them crazy bones. And it starts with the foot bones connected to the ankle bone, the ankle bone connected to the shin bone, shin bone connected to the thigh bone. And these bones come together. And Ezekiel sees this. And as they come together, God brings them into the land, but spiritually they are dead. The skeleton comes together, has skin on it, but it's not living. So God is prophesying that Israel will once again become a nation, but they are there today in unbelief. Most of these guys who are leaders over there, they are, or have been atheists. They're not even believers in God. Now you have the Hasidic Jews over there, those who are really devout, and they follow God, and they consider anyone who is not a Jew unclean, and they won't touch you during prayer time, and they huddle together to avoid you, and they go down to the Western Wall, and they pray, and they are so faithful to do all of that, but their heart is far from God. They are interested in just the doing. They are not interested in the loving God, and God will breathe in them just like God breathed into the bodies of the bones that came together and gave them life. God is going to do that for the nation of Israel, so it's going to be in two stages we've seen the first stage but we haven't seen the second stage and if you find a believer who is a a jew those people are so on fire i mean the jews they're a, a passionate people anyhow you go over there they're passionate they like to argue they like to dance they like to eat they like everything they do they do with all their heart mind soul and strength but that's how they're supposed to worship god and they're not quite yet there yet because they haven't recognized jesus as the messiah so israel will come back in the two stages and that's going to happen and when they get saved they are going to be i guess a term from the 80s dynamite uh, they they are going to be those who are excellent evangelists. In the book of Revelation, it talks about that in chapter 7 and 14. Uh, there's going to be 144,000 Jews who are going to go out and be evangelists. There's going to be two prophets that show up. And when two prophets show up and they do these miracles, can you imagine what the rest of Israel is going to say? What, we got some prod? They are just going to go nuts. They're going to go nuts. And the enemy, Satan, is going to want to kill them. And he's going to be given power to do that, but there's going to be a remnant that is going to be saved. Fifthly, Jerusalem will be united under Israeli rule. Now, Jerusalem, you have this nation of Israel, then you have Jerusalem, then you have the temple. I mean, that's kind of how it goes. If you look at God's economy and how he considers things in the universe, I talked, uh, I think it was last week, about how big the universe is, how great it is. But the center of the universe for God's purposes is earth. It's not geocentric in the universe, but it is God's center of the universe. And the place on earth that is God's center is Israel, the nation of Israel. And the place where he's going to put his throne is the temple on the Temple Mount. That's where the God that created all the universe is going to come. He's going to come to Israel. But Israel in Jerusalem... Jerusalem has been divided until the war in 1967, the Six-Day War, 
when Jordan came in and they attacked, and from the north and from the south, they all attacked Israel, and Israel won. Now, they shouldn't have won. They shouldn't have won in 1948. They shouldn't have won in 1967. They shouldn't have won in 1973. But they won because God is setting this stuff up. They didn't have the armaments. One, the Yom Kippur War. You know, they were all worshiping. Nobody was really ready for any kind of battle. And that's when the enemy attacked. And they overcame. And one guy was responsible for routing hundreds. You know, this guy named Artie. I could go into that, but I won't get to the end of the message here, but miraculous things have happened for the nation of Israel to be established. And during this war, the 1967 war, they were able to take East Jerusalem. East Jerusalem was operated by Jordan, and they had a radio broadcast that was there, and every night they'd end the radio broadcast, broadcasting into Israel, telling Israel, we're going to kill you, we're going to kill your wives, we're going to kill your kids, we're going to push you into the Mediterranean, and that's what they used to broadcast over in Jordan. Well, during this war, they took East Jerusalem. So now, Jerusalem is a place that is unified under Jewish rule. And you know what just happened a couple of weeks ago, right? The uh, embassy is being moved to Israel. Now, the past presidents all said they were going to do that. Bill Clinton said he was going to do that. Uh, I think Barack Obama, definitely George Bush, said he was going to do that, and they didn't do it. They backtracked, but Donald Trump comes forward and says, I'm going to do it, and he does it, and the nation of Israel is just going nuts. They're all talking about, this is the precursor to the building of the temple. They want to build the temple, which is talked about in Ezekiel chapter 37, 38, and 39. It's just going to be a fantastic thing for them. They are excited over there. They are not just a little bit happy. They are excited like jumping down type of excited. And so Jerusalem will be united under one rule. And this has happened because of mostly one man, David Friedman. Uh, He is uh, Trump's emissary to Israel and the Middle East. And he is one that's been pushing for this, that embassy to move. And let me tell you, that is huge. And also in 2 Chronicles, Chapter 6, verse 5, let me read this to you. Since the day I brought my people out of Egypt, I have not chosen a city in any tribe of Israel to have a temple built for my name to be there, nor have I chosen anyone to be a leader over my people Israel. But now I have chosen Jerusalem for my name to be there. I have chosen David to rule my people Israel. And the lineage of David is Jesus Christ, the one who will sit on David's throne. So this is prophesied that Jerusalem will be God's throne. And there's several other scriptures that deal with this. But guess who opposes it? The enemy, Satan. Why do you think there was such an uproar when our embassy is now going to be moved to Jerusalem. It's because the enemy and the people of this world do not like the Jews. And wherever the Jews have gone throughout all of history, they've always been a minority. They've always been persecuted. They've always been taken advantage of. And look at them. Now they're in a nation and they are powerful as a nation. You know, these other countries around them don't dare attack them. Why? Because they have nuclear bombs. But they won't talk about that, having nuclear bombs. And every time they have tried to take out Israel, they've lost. I mean, they should have just wiped them out. And there's more to this. It's coming. Just listen. Uh, Number six, Israel will be in the world spotlight. In Zechariah, I'll read this in a second, but Zechariah talks about how he will gather all the nations to Jerusalem to fight against it. 
That's what God is going to do. Zechariah 14.2, it says, I will gather all the nations to Jerusalem to fight against it. The city will be captured, houses ransacked, and the women raped. Half of the city will go into exile, but the rest of the people will not be taken from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountains moving north and half moving south. You will flee by my mountain valley, for it will extend to Azel. You will flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah the king. Then the Lord, my God, will come and all the holy ones will with him. So Israel is in the spotlight, will continue to be in the spotlight. It seems to be a thorn in the flesh of the rest of the world. What did the United Nations just do? They just voted to condemn the move of the United States for the embassy to be in Israel. And what was the response? Or in Jerusalem. And what was the response? Funding was cut to the tune of like $248 million to the United Nations. Keep going, man. Just keep going. That's, I love that stuff. I love that we are standing up for the nation of Israel, even though the whole rest of the world is going awry. They're going against the nation of Israel. They're standing as one, but God's judgments are sure. He is the one that is going to protect and judge those nations who come against Israel. Number seven, there will be a continual search for peace in Israel. Of course, I already told you about the wars. And they should have lost those wars, but they didn't. Now there is another peace process which are, is underway. Do you know who's leading that peace process right now? It's Jared Kirshner. Jared Kirshner is the son-of-law to Donald Trump, married to his daughter. He's the one that's going to go over there and broker a peace package. Could you imagine if there's a peace package that comes, a peace treaty, that comes as a result of this down the road? You know, if there's any kind of peace treaty... It's only going to happen one time, and one person is going to do it. It is going to be the Antichrist, and he's talked about in the book of Daniel, how he will make a treaty, and then once that treaty is made, then they will be able to rebuild their temple on the Temple Mount. And so, go ahead, push for that that treaty to be put in force, because when it does, the guy who's going to install it, is going to be the Antichrist, and before the Antichrist is revealed, guess what happens to us? That's, you guys know. We are out of here. I mean, that's, that's how close it is. You know, we see these things taking place. And it, a peace treaty is what will set off the tribulation, and that's in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Number eight, preparation to build the temple. If you go over to Israel right now, they have the Temple Institute, and they have everything ready to go. I've talked about them before. The Temple Institute will show you videos. They will tell you they have everything ready. They have even researched down to what is the wine that is used in the temple sacrifice that they pour over the sacrifice. Which grapes do we have to have? And it is only for the temple sacrifice. I mean, they're getting down to the minutia of this. They, they want a red heifer because you have to take the ashes of the red heifer and mix that with water and sprinkle over the area to sanctify it. And they're, they're trying to get this red heifer. And they're looking for one single gray hair in that red heifer. And they've tried it a couple of times. One of them was named Lucy, but they found some gray hairs in Lucy. So she didn't qualify. But they're doing all this stuff. They have all this preparation ready to go. They have the plans. They know that they can get it done in about six to nine months once they're given the approval to do so. And and so it's ready to go. The preparation is being 
built. Now, after the, or being made, after the 1967 war, there was this guy named Moshe Dayan. Do you guys remember Moshe Dayan? Moshe Dayan had that patch over his eye. They took the Temple Mount. And once they took the Temple Mount in that, that six-day war, they could have had it all. They could have gotten rid of the Dome of the Rock, which Mohammed ascended into heaven on, and the Alaska Mosque, and they could have built a temple. But Moshe Dayan, who is a Jew, who was, a foreign de- was the defense minister at the time, said, no, in order to keep peace, we'll just give it back to Islam. They gave it back, is what they did. God's going to come back and say, no, that's mine. That is mine. You have given it away, and there's going to be a temple built. And so it's just a matter of time before this takes place. We're waiting for it. We know all the preparation has been made, and this has been prophesied by God. This is how we know we're living in the last days. And by the way, when Don Stewart wrote this book, he got probably 200 books, he said. And he looked back to the 19th century, and people were writing about this, even though Israel was not a nation, they said Israel would become a nation, and Israel and Jerusalem would be its capital, and they would rebuild the temple. Well, that's nice, but it was already prophesied 2,000 years ago that this would take place. They're just reiterating it. So all through history, there's a record of these things coming to fruition, and we are living in that time. We're actually seeing it transpire. And we look at that in the Middle East, we go, hey, there's just too much problem too many problems over there we're not going to pay attention no we need to pay attention whatever's happening to israel is on god's timeline and we just need to know that it is going to take place and by the way they are comparing donald trump to king cyrus why are they doing that in haretz december 16th 2017 it is a publication over in israel Christians and Jews now compare Trump to the Persian king Cyrus. Will he build the third temple? Like Cyrus 2,500 years ago, Trump is seen as an instrument of God and the plan to build the third temple on the Temple Mount where the Alaska Mosque currently stands. And then there was a tweet. This tweet, the king who allowed the Jews to return to Jerusalem and build the second temple was Cyrus the Great. He lived until 70. Donald Trump got elected on a platform of let's make America great again. Trump took office at the age of 70. See, there's so many connections here. You know, they're making them up as they go, but they are excited over there that this temple is going to be rebuilt. And by the way, Israel, this is uh, December 19th, 2017, Israel has just allocated $50 million to explore the foundations of the alleged temple. They want to get those exact dimensions, those exact stones that are probably underneath that temple mount so that they can build the temple. They just just allocated December 19th. That's just a few days ago. They are moving forward with this. Number nine, in the last days, certain nations will invade Israel. Now, this gets really exciting. There's a battle going on over in Syria, right? And you have Bashar al-Assad, who is up there, and he's a dictatorial despot that is up there, and he's just wreaking havoc, and you have ISIS coming in there. You have the Russians, which are involved over there, and you also have 
Turkey, which is involved over there, and also you have Iran, which is involved over there. And of course, they are all nations that are actually listed in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38, that they will be the ones that come down into Israel and attack it. God says he will put a hook in their mouth and drag them down. There's going to be something in Israel that they want. It can be their wealth. It can be their oil. We don't know exactly what it's going to be, but they are going to come down from the north. And guess what? Turkey used to be part of NATO, which was kind of like us. But now they're changing with this Erdogan or whatever his name is. He is changing it to an Islamic country. They have just made a treaty to beef up their military with Russia. And Russia and Iran have also made a military pact. And they are all getting together. And now that this battle is being won up in Syria, guess what they're going to do? They're going to build a big base up in Syria, which is just above the Golan Heights, which is right there, Lebanon, up in that area, they will just be able to stream down with millions of people. It's always been theorized, well, how are you going to make this happen, God? It's all coming together. And with them, there's Cush and Put, which would be Sudan. Sudan is, and not Ethiopia, it looks like it's Sudan. Some people would uh, disagree with that, but I think it's Sudan. Sudan is a Muslim country, and also Libya. Now, you see, those five countries are all going to attack. Sudan and Libya would attack from the south, and there would be Russia, and there would be Iran, and there would be Turkey that would attack from the north. And if you watch the world politics on this, it is just incredible. And by the way, I have articles listed here, but I'm going to run out of time. These articles say that Russia is making military pacts with Sudan and Libya. And so all they have to do is put their bases there, put their armaments there. Missiles are going to these countries. Uh, Let me just go on. Okay, There's so much more which is here. I have each one of these articles listed where this is going to take place. And by the way, these articles are from like November 23rd, 2017. Um, Another one is September 12th, 2017. This is all recent. This is all within the last six months that this has taken place. Number 10, the nations missing from Ezekiel 38 are also important. Like you see the other Arab nations which are there, Saudi Arabia, Oman, Qatar, Kuwait. Uh, All of these countries are now beginning to be friendly with Israel. And you know that's also significant. Because Saudi Arabia is referred to in Scripture as Sheba and Dedan. And when Russia and Iran and Turkey and these other countries invade Israel, Saudi Arabia is going to protest. It says that in Scripture already. And Saudi Arabia is making a pact. And they don't like ISIS and they don't like the Shiite Muslims. They don't like the radical ISIS. But all of that is coming out of, <coughs> excuse me, out of Iran. And so uh, there is a report here, you know, November 14th, 2017, foreign ministry paper allegedly offers peace with the Jewish state in exchange for U.S. pressure on Iran. I just gave you the date, and that was Saudi Arabia making this peace treaty with Israel. And prior to this, this this would not be taking place prior to our time. Number 11, the superpower, no superpower will intervene on behalf of Israel. At least it doesn't happen in Scripture. Something happens to the United States. What happens to us? Why aren't we here? Or why aren't we involved in this? There's a couple of scenarios people have theorized. 
why we, because we would come to the defense of Israel tomorrow if they were going to be attacked. But when these countries get together and they come down and they attack Israel, we are nowhere. Now, a couple of things you can theorize. Yellowstone could blow up, wipe out our country, right? That, there's a big volcano that's the size of Wyoming that is up there and they say it's bulging and it could go at any time and they say it would wipe out the entire United States if that thing blew. It'd just be huge, humongous. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we become so watered down in this globalism that we are worthless. We have no military. We have no strength. We have no desire. We've gotten rid of our morals. We don't stand up for those who are the little people or the little guy like the little nation of Israel. We won't do anything like that. We have lost our manhood. We have lost our womanhood. We're just monochrome and we just, we don't want to get involved. You know, something like that. We could end up doing that. That's where we were headed was this globalistic move. Now it's America first. What is Britain doing? Brexit, right? It's England first. It's what they want. They, the queen, you know, they, they want the queen. They want to be unique. But I'm telling you, in the scheme of things, it's not going to be that way. It's good right now. You know, I, I am so optimistic for our future. But in the distant future, it's not going to be that way. Now there's a third scenario. What could happen to us? Try the rapture. Now, how many Christians are in the United States? Our, our population is 323.1 million. There is estimated to be, and I'm just going to go by the figures here. You might say, well, they're not all true Christians. Oh, okay, whatever. We're just going to go with the figures that are here. 323.1 million people reside in the United States. 280 million report to be Christians. If 280 million are raptured, that leaves only 43 million people in the United States. 86% of the people would be gone if this is true. What about Russia? 144 million Russians. How many Russian Christians? 50%. How many people does that leave? 72 million. Twice as many people as we would have in the United States. What about China? China, China has 1.4 billion people. That's hard to fathom. I can't even get my mind around a number of that many people. How many Christians are there? Only 67 million. That leaves 1.3 billion people left after the rapture, if these numbers are true, and that's how many get raptured. What about Canada? You know, Canada, not that they're a world power or anything, but Canada has 22.1 million people. They report to have 12.7 million Christians. That only leaves 9 million people. Talk about desolation with North America. It, it would be one of those dystopian movies where the cities would be... Imagine San Diego, 86% of the people gone. <laughs> I can drive wherever I want to go. You know, this, is, this would be great. And by the way, it's supposed to be one of the worst places in the country behind Honolulu for driving now. It's just getting terrible out there. But if, if these numbers are correct and there is a rapture before the Antichrist comes and before these guys come down and invade, we are nothing. It is like Red Dawn 
You know, you got your survivalist, you better dig, if you're not a Christian, you better dig your hole and arm it and put food in there because people are coming after you. We are nothing. And that would be a great explanation for why we are not involved in the end time scenario with Russia coming down and its satellite countries to attack Israel. Number 12, there will be a 10 ruler confederation in Western Europe, the old Roman Empire, which will be revived. In Daniel chapter, I think it's, two and seven it talks about nebuchadnezzar's dream you had the head of gold which was babylon you had the medio persia empire and then you had greece after that and you had rome after that and it was all prophesied that that would take place and those countries did come to fruition and they did get ransacked by the country that came after them and rome was the last country and rome was never conquered but Rome, and it has the image of the ten toes mixed with iron and clay. And that is going to be the ruling nation or the ruling group of leaders. And, and some people say nations, but it's actually ten leaders which will be there that will be set up. And so we don't know how those leaders are going to be there. But that is prophesied to happen in Revelation chapter 17, verses 12 through... I'm just going to read verse 12. Uh, the ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. So the Antichrist is going to come up, and there's going to be ten rulers that are going to be aligned with him, and for a short time, they will rule the entire earth. The United States is not mentioned here. Why? Of course, we've been raptured. Let's go on. <clears throat> Number 13. There is going to be a one-world economic system. You don't know how close we are to this. Everybody is just intertwined. Do you know what the new money is going to be? Yes, that's it. Bitcoin. It's going to be. Have you watched Bitcoin lately? First, it's just, oh, woe is us. It is just taking a dive. And then it just shot up. And there are countries now completely operating without cash. It's all digital. You walk around with your phone. You put it on there. You know, why carry a phone? It would be better if they just put a mark on your hand or something like that or maybe on your forehead because then you could just walk in. They could scan that and voila, your bank account would be debited. They're, they're working with stuff like RFID where you, you go into Walmart and you fill up your cart. You bag it as you fill it up and you walk through a sensor. Beep, 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 beep. It just reads everything and you stick your hand up there and you walk out. You don't even have to deal with people, which causes the $15 an hour increase to minimum wage and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just, it's going to be like that. Right now, you're doing self-service at Home Depot, right? And Walmart. You walk through, you scan your own stuff and thank you very much for coming. And you walk out. And you have all your own stuff and you don't have to deal with anybody. The, the companies love this stuff. They can take inventory without even having to walk the aisles because the RFID that is in the packages. Isn't that right? Don't they have RFIDs? Yes, they do. In Costco, do they have RFIDs? No, not yet. Oh, they're so behind. You know, they, they need to get with the program. They'll be able to do that. And all the way through the store, there will be Wi-Fi antennas to read this stuff on a constant basis. And they've, they've written about this stuff for years. And it is coming. And so to have a one-world economic system, they want to make all the banking the same. They want to make all the rules the same. And so if it's all the same and all centrally located, it can be controlled. And that's what the Antichrist is going to do. He's going to control this one world economic system. So when you see cashless taking place, and by the way, there are lots of benefits to going cashless. It totally gets rid of the drug trade and the black market, except when they want to use it for their own nefarious purposes. But it gets rid of it. 
even a street vendor. You go down to Mexico, you want to buy something at a swap meet, you're either going to have to trade or they're going to have a scanner right there. And where's that scanner uh, mark going to be? It's going to be in your hand. It could be in a card, but they're going to centralize everything. And if there are nefarious activities taking place, they will be able to track that. And guess what? The money will be taken right from your bank account for your taxes and be paid automatically. Isn't that nice of them to do that? They'll just go right in there and take whatever they need. And if you've been a bad boy or a bad girl, they'll seize your account because they have control of that kind of stuff. And if you don't comply, they can put the screws to anybody who is being wayward. They can stop you from buying anything. Oh, you want to buy something? Well, you need to comply with us. You see how that happens? They could do that with healthcare too, you know. Oh, they did. Let me go on. Number 14, a final world leader who is called the Antichrist will come up. Now, he is not a fictitious character. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, it talks about him. I'll probably read a little bit of it here. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy report or letter supposed to have come from us saying the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. What this is, the rebellion occurs, that means the people in the church will turn away from truth is what that's talking about. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Now, this is written before the destruction of the temple, which means the temple has to be rebuilt in order for this to happen. And I've already talked about that. They're going to rebuild it. It just is a matter of time. And by the way, you know what they've done? They have built a synagogue underneath the western wall, really close to the Alaska Mosque. It is underneath. It's in these caves that are down in there that are built. It's pretty awesome down there. So they're worshiping underneath. They're worshiping in the wall. They're worshiping everywhere around there, except for the Dome of the Rock and the Alaska Mosque, which is up there. And I'm sure it's just driving the Arab population, who are the ISIS breed, crazy over there. They just have to be going absolutely nuts. And they are. If you go up there on the Temple Mount, some of the things that are taking place there are just crazy. Number 15, an exponential increase in technology. Where does it say this in Scripture? Daniel chapter 12, verse 4 says that knowledge will increase and people will be going to and fro. How long does it take to get over to Cambodia? 14 hours, 21 hours, something like that. How long did it take to them for them to come across the country in covered wagon? Months and months. I mean, you know, we're riding in a plane. We're screaming along at sub-sound travel speeds. We're just booking. We should be up there gripping the plane seat and screaming, I'm flying! You know, you're up in that plane just going back. If you would have had this around the time of Christ, it would just been like a miracle to them. But we're cruising along and you can even get on your cell phone and you can do that while you're cruising along and get anything you want to eat and roll back and take a nap. And if you have the money, you could probably even take a shower on one if you wanted to. I mean, it's just incredible. And we're riding in these things going, oh, what about a car? We get in a car. It's, oh, it's no big deal. You don't have to hook up the horses. You don't have to feed them hay. You don't have to do any of that. You, you are autonomous. You get to go wherever you want. The technology is just incredible. And that's just in the last hundred years. The things that are ahead of us, they have developed this thing. You know, there's the cutting edge. 
then there's what Don Seward calls the bleeding edge. We are beyond the bleeding edge in some of this technology. They are developing this hat that you can put on. It can tell everybody what you're thinking. No joke. A person, this woman who is in Google, she developed her own company up in uh, the San Jose area, and that's what they're going to be able to do. They'll put that on your head and... Oh, so that's what you're thinking. Oh, we got that. And between people, you can just kind of hook up and you'll know what each other is thinking. I mean, just incredible technology. The, uh, the genome and that's going on. If you drive up Highway 805 and you're heading up towards uh, Miramar Road and La Jolla Village Drive up there, you'll see at least three buildings called Illumina. Do you know what that Illumina is? That Illumina is working with our DNA. They're changing the DNA and they're going to come along and they're going to say, you know, this DNA, we can get rid of Tay-Sachs disease. We can get rid of sickle cell anemia. We can strengthen those who are feeble, Down syndrome. We can take care of all of this stuff. All we have to do is manipulate those genes a little bit. And the first trial in the United States, it just happened where they injected a guy to change his DNA. It takes about three months. I don't know how it's turned out. He has a genetic disorder. What do you think they're doing in China? Do you think they're holding back because of the laws? I'll bet they're developing super Chinese that are probably nine feet tall, that have muscle that just won't quit, that can think faster than any one of us. How long do you think they've been doing stuff like this for? Probably years, decades. Here in the United States, we have our morality and we can't quite do all of that. But in those countries, they don't give a rip about that stuff. They are into cloning, I'm sure, and making that DNA do whatever they want. You know, North Korea, that guy, whatever his name is, the short fat guy that he would never be called short and fat that's over there. Yeah, yeah, Kim Jong-un, whatever his name is. You know, I'm sure they're just doing stuff that the rest of the world would look at and say, you know, this is immoral. They go, ah, United States, just go do what you want to do. We're going to do what we want to do. And not only that, but the medicine and the medical practices, you know, it used to be you had an appendicitis, cut that scar open, we open it up, we pull out that appendix, cut that thing off and throw it away. Now they have these little holes that they go through in your abdomen, they blow you up in a big balloon, they go in there with this little thing and cut it. I have seen this medical procedure that a guy did in another city using these little tweezers and he sewed the skin back on a grape perfectly. Just amazing, these medical breakthroughs that they have and they're understanding the body and how they can make the human cell live forever. They are well along in that type of technology and that will be the next thing that comes along. Would you like to be stronger? Yes. Would you like to be taller? Yes. Would you like to be more handsome? We can do that for you. Would you like to have the mark of the beast? You see how all that works? They, they just, oh, this would be so nice. You can have all of this and maybe the mark of the beast has to do something with your DNA too. We don't know what this is going to be like. But they are making inroads. Would you like to live forever? What's God going to (laughs) say? Ain't happening here. You guys are not going to live together forever because you're in a fallen body and I have mercy on those who are fallen and you're going to get a new body. So anybody who attempts to live forever in this body, God is going to come in and he's going to stop it. I'm falling behind. Plague and pestilence. (laughs) You're going to like this one. December 19th, 2017, just a few days ago, Scientists are no longer barred from developing deadly viruses and this will definitely end well. Not. It is not going to end well. The Daily Mail, Sunday, December 
31st, 2017, they get up before us? This is the article that's today. U.S. government lifts three-year research funding ban aimed at making viruses more lethal and says studies could even extend to cover Ebola. Government officials have listed the moratorium on funding for research that involves altering certain viruses to make them more lethal and transmittable. That's going to end good, isn't it? You know, the flu season. Right now, there's like an epidemic in San Diego. My daughter got sick. She called my daughter, not my daughter, my granddaughter. My daughter called up. Can we come down? Uh, No, we're overwhelmed. We will call you. Everybody's coming in for the flu. It is just everywhere. It's across the United States. It's going around the world. I mean, that's just the flu. But this ability that they're giving the people now, make whatever virus you want. Do you think Russia's holding back on that? You think North Korea's holding back on that? You think China's holding back on that? I bet they have things you walk in the room and you dissolve. Something like that with these viruses. <laughs> Number 17, 17 and 18, lawlessness and violence. I have to be careful what I say, but there have been those in the government who have been acting in a way that is lawless. They have been getting away with crimes that should have put them in prison a long time ago. And there seems to be, the word of the day is, collusion with those in law enforcement, with those in the political realm, to get away scot-free. That's called lawlessness. If that is happening at the highest echelons of our government, and by the way, it is happening around the world, if it has taken place in our government, There is no hope for the rest of the world. Hopefully, some changes are being made. I'm optimistic about that. And we'll have to see in this next year where all of this goes and how it transpires. But that is lawlessness. And the people are acting in a lawless fashion. Have you watched Berkeley over the last year? What's been taking place over there with lawlessness? People destroying things. Have you seen the videos of the, like the one limo that had baseball bats taken to it and all the windows were busted out just because they wanted to? And all of the busting of the windows and some of the shops that are up there? Lawlessness and violence. Violence is now being considered an effective and acceptable way to voice your opinion, especially if you are part of quote-unquote a certain race or part of the establishment, violence can be used against you and it is justified. Jesus said that there would be times like in the days of Noah. If you go back to the book of Genesis and you read about the days of Noah, there was violence across the entire land. There is violence across the entire earth right now. It is in the United States, it's in Europe, it's in Africa, it's all throughout the entire world and over in the uh, Far East as well. The organized church will turn away from the truth. In other words, it will apostatize. And there is a movement to do that, this ecumenical movement which is out there that wants to just make all the religions just get along together. Can't we just get along? Let's just love, let's just coexist. If we just coexist, 
Everything will be wonderful. Except they don't know that the moon and star wants to kill the star of David and the cross, those adherents to that. and It's just nuts. And the yin and yang are going, what's happening to us here? Why can't we just get along? There's good and there's evil and that's just the way it works out. And then the Buddhists will say, well, we're just going to go to be with the collective like the Borg. You know, it's not going to work out that way. The enemy's going to come in and kill everybody that loves or follows Jesus Christ and he will enslave everybody who doesn't with, like, for instance, the mark of the beast. Number 20, a rise of false prophets, false teachers, and false Christ. Let me ask you if you've heard of these. 88 reasons why Jesus will return in 1988. Uh, how about Harold Camping? How many times did he change that? Two or three times that uh, Christ is coming back? What about last September 23rd? Get your tennis shoes on. We're going to go. No, didn't happen. Oh, what about the four blood moons? Didn't happen. What about the harbinger? It's No, none of it's happening, right? All these people who are talking about this stuff, who are they? Well, they're even either getting into aberrant teaching or heresy. And once they get into heresy, that's it. They are false teachers predicting false things. And the movement, and I'm going to name the church, Bethel Church. You go to this Bethel Church, imagine if we were in here and we're singing and worshiping and all of a sudden gold glitter starts to fall from the sky. Look, it's the streets of heaven coming to us, the gold coming down. That was in Bethel Church. Or what if I had a smoke machine and I hooked the smoke machine up in the ceiling and we had big girders and rafters up there so you couldn't see where it was and we turned those on and I saw this mist, this fog coming down. I go, look, the Shekinah glory of God. Bring your check. That's what they do is that those guys are false prophets. They think that godliness is a means to financial gain. You know, John Avanzini, who used to be in a church right down the street, we went to it. Patty and I, we went to, we sat right in the middle, and he turned to us. Oh, do we have anybody new here today? We'd like you to stand up. You? And he looks like right at Patty and I. Makes a, he wants us to stand up. Patty and I are just like, no, this isn't happening. We just visit him. John Avanzini, he says that Jesus was rich, and he goes on to talk. Oh, it's just nuts, just False prophets, which are out there. Kenneth Copeland, false prophet. Ken, uh, all these, I should, never mind, I'm going to go on. There are so many things here. A rise in anti-Semitism. Have you noticed this? Germany, the rise of the alt-right, which is there. Um, the Germans are saying the Jews are no longer allowed. What happened in France last year, two years ago? The Jews were having to hide they had to get out of there. And this is God's way of bringing all the Jews back to Israel. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, Luke 21, 17, and Mark 13, 13, all men will hate you because of me, but he who stands to the, firm to the end will be saved. <clears throat> the Jews are persecuted people, and this rise of anti-Semitism, just like in Nazi Germany, it is taking place now. It is even in our country. And make no mistake, this is a sign that we are in the last days. <clears throat> Scripture declares that the nation of Israel will be hated by all nations. In the Old Testament, all nations will be gathered to come against Israel. It says all nations, not some nations, not all nations but the United States. But again, we're not mentioned. We're not here. So the rise of anti-Semitism, that's 21. Number 22. Christians will continue to be persecuted. There have been more Christians killed in this century than there have been in the 20th century than have been killed in all 19 previous centuries. 
More Christians have been killed in this last century. And it is continuing. Just look at ISIS. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Revelation thirteen seven says, He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. So this is a movement that has taken place. And by the way, the rapture takes place. This is talking about the saints in the tribulation. There are going to be people that you witness to, that I witness to, that are going to be here, that didn't accept Christ, that will become believers eventually. If it's not first generation, it'll be second generation. They will become believers and they will have to go through the tribulation period. And the Antichrist, chances are, will kill them. And by the way, I would say for the person who is a believer during the tribulation period, I wouldn't say turn yourself in. You might be tortured. But if it comes to it, praise the Lord. Guess where you're going to be when your head gets lopped off? Under the altar in heaven, and you will be resurrected to rule and reign with Christ. That would be my recommendation. If I wouldn't resist. Why am I going to go hide? You know, it's going to be terrible. Billions of people are going to die. Number 23. Unbelievers will scoff at the idea of the return of Christ. Do you see that today? You talk about Jesus is coming back. <laughs> like scripture says. And where is the promise of his coming? For since our fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. It was, they were talking about that back then. And the reason I believe this is because prophecy in the Bible has come true. And his second coming is going to be just as sure, prophesied just as sure as his first coming. So he's coming back. And the world, the world looks at those who are Christians who want to live by the word of God and not make up stuff. They look at Christians as, you're weird, you're on the fringe. We are actually called extremists because we hold to the teachings of the Bible that we believe that there is a judgment, that there's morality, that there's right and wrong. You're such an extremist. What's mainstream? Anything. Isn't that the way it is going? Okay, I have one minute and I have one more point. The wise believers or the wise who are believers will understand what is taking place. You guys, I've given you the scriptures, not all of them. You can also look up Don Stewart and listen to him on this. <clears throat> the believers will understand. We comprehend how the world is going. But the unbelievers do not understand. They will not be able to apprehend what is taking place. They'll just, what's going on here? How come this is happening? It must be those Christians that are doing it. And once we're gone, that's ushering in the end. How close is it? I'm telling you. I think Jesus has already left the throne room. And he's on his way. You know, he, he could be here tonight before everything happens. But, you know, everything transpires today. Uh, it would be a great entry, you know, if there was New Year's Eve all around, fireworks go off, and we're watching it from up there. We're watching it from in the air is where the Lord says we will meet him. So it's our job just to be prepared. To know what is going to take place, the Bible is true. It has been proven over and over and over. It is a reasonable faith. We don't have to be crazy like some of these people predicting dates and all that. You have a question. Um, yeah, you only said that you only 24. 24? Yeah. I didn't do 25, the wise believers. The wicked will not understand the sign of the times, number 24. And number 25, the wise believers will understand what is taking place. And so, you know, we need to live like that. We need to be sober in our thinking like, this is right around the corner. Let's go out and do our work for Christ, recognizing first and foremost what he has done for us. But then go out 
and be those saints he has called us to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word and the insights that are there and the knowledge that you have provided for us. And you have even said in your word, you do nothing without telling your prophets and the prophets have written it down and the, we have read the prophets' own words. So Father, help us to be sober in our thinking, sober in our walks, diligent in our uh, discipleship with you. I pray that none of us, Lord, would fall by the wayside or go the way of the world and forsake your teaching, that we would keep your commands and love like you have loved us. This is our prayer, Lord. Please fulfill it in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.